Luke 24, verses 44 to 49. Then he said to them, These are my words that I spoke to you while I was still with you, that everything written about me in the law of Moses and the prophets and the Psalms must be fulfilled. Then he opened their minds to understand the scriptures. And he said to them, thus it is written that the Christ should suffer and on the third day rise from the dead and that repentance for the forgiveness of sins should be proclaimed in his name to all nations, beginning from Jerusalem. You are witnesses of these things. And behold, I am sending the promise of my father upon you, but stay in the city until you are clothed with power from on high. Brilliant, Anna, thanks so much for reading the passage for us. Uh, Well, a new start and a new Term, and there are many things for us to busy ourselves with. Uh, the kids have gone back to school. Uh, many of us will be adjusting to a new normal. Uh, most of us will be working from home, but some of us are starting to navigate the crowds in the underground. And also here at Common Garden Talks, we are trying to adjust to this whole new way of working. And perhaps for some of you, there are big changes that are coming up perhaps thinking about moving out of London or changing jobs. And so many things to busy ourselves in the upcoming months. And so it is all the more important for us to pause for a moment and to ask the question, what should our focus be for this term? What is the right thing to organize our lives around amidst the hustle and bustle? Because if we don't stop to think, uh, we will immediately get caught up on the treadmill of life and we will forget. So what should be our focus? Well, my big aim for the next 15 minutes or so is to persuade us that gospel proclamation uh, must be our primary focus above all else. Both at CGT, as we focus on making Jesus known, But also not just at CGT, but for all of us, gospel proclamation as a key focus all the time. And that's a really big ask because making Jesus known, uh, it's hard. Uh, It can be really costly. It can be really tiring um, um, after coming back from holiday. And often we can feel really inadequate on how do you speak to people. And so can we be sure that this is right? Uh, The focus on gospel proclamation. Well, let's look at what God is saying to us today. Uh, For our time today, we are doing a one-off in Luke's gospel, in Luke 24, to clarify this question. And for many of us, I'm sure we are familiar with um, the book of Luke, and we know that Luke's purpose is to give Theophilus, his reader, certainty. Uh, Luke chapter 1, verse 4, that you may have certainty concerning the things you have been taught. Uh, Certainty, confidence, conviction for Theophilus to be sure. About certainty about what? Uh, What does Luke want Theophilus to be sure about? Uh, Luke 1, verse 1, of the things that have been accomplished, or if you like, fulfilled among us. 
Paul, he wants his uh, Theophilus to have certainty that the, the Old Testament, uh, the predictions made in the past, the prophets, um, that they will be certain, uh, that Theophilus will be certain that these Old Testament promises are coming to pass. But what are these promises con- confirming? Uh, that's a, the first point in the handout today. Uh, point number one, well, it was right for the Christ to suffer, die, and rise again. Well, I want you to imagine the scene with me. It is AD 33. We are in Jerusalem, and there are 11 men huddled in a room. What are the emotions there? Frustration, abject disappointment. Why? Well, you see, the men they followed are the men that they went all in for at the cost of family, friends, and society. Uh, He was a disappointment. Uh, He died, and he suffered on a Roman cross. See, their hopes were dashed, and they were completely humiliated. But all of a sudden, uh, 11 men in the room became 12, and the dead man appears in front of them and says, Peace to you. What were the emotions? Shock, amazement, and maybe a bit of skepticism. But the man continues in verse 38. Look down to your Bibles, verse 38. And Jesus said to them, Why are your hearts troubled? Why do doubts arise in your hearts? See my hands and my feet, that is I myself. Touch me and see. For a spirit does not have flesh and bones as you see that I have. Well, it's the risen Lord Jesus. But why is this happening? Why is he back from the dead? I look down to verse 44. Then he said to them, These are my words that I spoke to you while I was still with you, that everything written about me in the law of Moses and the prophets and the Psalms must be fulfilled. Then he opened their minds to understand the scriptures and said to them, Thus it is written that the Christ should suffer and on the third day rise from the dead. Well, the law of Moses, the prophets, and the Psalms, that refers to the the whole Old Testament uh, in the Hebrew order. Uh, Three big categories according to the Hebrew order. The law refers to Genesis to Deuteronomy. The prophets refer to the former prophets and the latter prophets. And the Psalms refers to the wisdom literature. So Jesus is referring to the whole Old Testament. But notice what he says about it in verse 44. The law of Moses, the prophets, and the Psalms must be fulfilled. You see the word must, that appears 18 times in Luke's gospel. It's more than any other gospel, um, than the other gospels. And so this idea of must, it, it communicates divine necessity or divine inevitability that the Christ must suffer, die, and rise again. Why must it happen? Well, because of this key Old Testament promise, uh, the promise of atonement. Uh, Humanity, as most of us would know, we are ugly inside. We have darkened minds, stony hearts, and we have transgressed against our Creator. We have loved ourselves far too much. 
And so humanity needed atonement, forgiveness for their sins. And so the prophets started to speak. And Moses in Deuteronomy 32 spoke about the future atonement. Ezekiel, Ezekiel 16, speaks about God atoning for his people. And Isaiah 53 speaks about the suffering servant atoning for his people. Christ was wounded for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities, and the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. So it was right. Uh, it was right for the Christ to suffer and die and rise. It was right because the Old Testament had to be fulfilled. Atonement needed to be accomplished. And isn't it a good place to start the year, uh, this new term, to remind ourselves about the Lord Jesus and his atoning sacrifice? Uh, our sins paid for, uh, we are washed clean. Uh, our failures, our weakness, our sins, all forgiven, all laid on him on the cross. Do you mind just closing the door? Well, I'm going to suggest that. Most of us, we are really aware of our own failures and our own shortcomings. And perhaps uh, today here, you might feel a little bit like a hypocrite. But remember who Jesus is speaking to. Uh, it's the 11 men. Uh, they are his disciples. But more accurately, they were his deniers, his deserters, his doubters. You see, when Jesus came and appeared to them, these were the disciples who ran away when the soldiers came. And what did Jesus do to them? He didn't scold them. He assured them. He said to them, see my hands. See me. See my feet. Touch me and see. It is I myself. So if you're feeling discouraged or burdened by sin today, don't doubt. Well, hear his voice. He suffered and died. For you. So it was right. It was right for him to suffer, to die, and to rise. It was a divine necessity. But the question is about now. It was right in AD 33, but what is right today? And that comes to our second point for today. It is right for the gospel to be proclaimed to all nations. It is right for the gospel to be proclaimed to all nations. Look down to verse 45. Then he opened their minds to understand the scriptures. And he said to them, Thus it is written, that the Christ should suffer and on the third day rise from the dead, and that repentance and the forgiveness of sins should be proclaimed in his name to all nations, beginning from Jerusalem. You notice there in verse 47, it's uh, this conjunction there, and. And so that puts verse 47 on par with verse 46. And so it is not enough to say that the death and resurrection alone is the fulfillment of scripture. Both the death and resurrection and the proclamation of forgiveness to the nations are required for the scriptures to be fulfilled. You see, it's a divine necessity for repentance and forgiveness of sins to be proclaimed 
to all nations. It's as if God had a divine checklist. Uh, there are two items on his checklist. The first, for the Christ to suffer, die, and rise. And the second, the gospel to be proclaimed to all nations. The first is done. The second is still not yet finished. And so the prophets, they spoke in the Old Testament. Isaiah 49, I have made you a light to the Gentiles to bring my salvation to the ends of the earth. Amos 9 verse 12, all the remnant of mankind may seek the Lord. See, it's a divine necessity for the gospel to be proclaimed. It is right for the gospel to be proclaimed. But it's more than right. It is the thing which defines the age we live in. It is define, the defining feature of the in-between period between Jesus' first and second coming. It is the main reason why Jesus hasn't come back. It is the main reason why the sky hasn't rolled up. It is the reason why he provides for us each day, why we have food for lunch, why we have air to breathe and water to drink. It's for his kingdom to come, his will to be done on earth, for him to call the nations to himself. It's the thing which defines the day we live in. Last time we saw the book of Revelation, it was saying the same message. The end of the world has been put on hold for one sole reason. Because now is the time to join in the war for the worship of the nations. The battle for people. To call people to turn from evil, to repent, and to follow the Lord Jesus. So the focus on making Jesus known, that the gospel is to be proclaimed. It's more than right. It defines why we are here today. It's really helpful to notice what Jesus didn't say. He didn't say verse 46. Thus it is written that the Christ should suffer and on the third day rise from the dead and that he should build Christian communities or Christian maturity or social justice or to feed the poor. See, all are good things, but it's just not what Jesus said. Those are not the defining features of the day we live in. Thus, it is written that the Christ should suffer and on the third day rise from the dead, and that repentance and forgiveness of sins should be proclaimed in his name to all nations, beginning from Jerusalem. So it is right. It is right for us to focus on gospel proclamation. So have confidence, have certainty that it is right. And so as we busy ourselves in the upcoming months, um, or the various stuff and priorities that you have, uh, work, school, family commitments, uh, remember the key focus must be gospel proclamation. Uh, repentance and forgiveness must be proclaimed. Uh, don't hear me wrong. I am not saying that that is the only thing that matters. See, we all function with multiple priorities in life. Uh, we prioritize family over work and work over play hopefully. Uh, and so the focus on gospel proclamation is not saying to disregard everything else. But what I am saying is that that should be the ultimate focus, the primary focus of how we live our lives, a compass, if you like, or a North Star, something that directs our life. Uh, so think about what that might look like for you. Uh, 
uh, each and every one of us will have to work out what does it look like for Alistair or for Anna uh, or for Hitton to put gospel proclamation as a key focus of our lives. Well, there will be many times that we will feel inadequate and feel weak. Uh, we won't know what to say or we'll feel like a coward. And during those times, uh, we need to remember the first thing on God's to-do list. Uh, we need to go back to the cross to remember that the atonement of sin has been done. It's been paid for. Forgiveness of sins has been accomplished. And that will be the resource for us to keep the focus on gospel proclamation. Well, at CGT, our focus this term, as with every single term, is to tell people how good it is to be forgiven. And that is our goal. Uh, there'll be a couple of new things that we are going to try, um, as you can see, with the food and the hybrid meetings. Um, and we're going to be busy ourselves with all these new things. But our main focus will still be proclaiming the gospel to people who work in this area. And perhaps you might be feeling a little weary. Um, you've been doing this for many years. Be encouraged that this is God's agenda in the world today. Because one day, this agenda will end. Uh, the Lord will return. There will be a huge multitude gathered around his throne. Gospel proclamation will be no more. It's a temporary necessity and the work will be done. But until then, see, gospel proclamation is our primary task. Verse 45 again. Then he opened their minds to understand the scriptures and said to them, Thus it is written that the Christ should suffer and on the third day rise from the dead, and that repentance and forgiveness of sins should be proclaimed in his name to all nations. Let me pray. Father, we praise you that in the Lord Jesus' kindness and his love for us, um, he has delayed his return so that the nations can come to hear about him. And we thank you for that grace extended to us, uh, that because nothing, uh, not because of what we've done, but because of his grace, he has kept back his day of his return. But we do pray even as um, the day is coming, we pray that we might hear the urgent call to tell of repentance and forgiveness to the nations. And we pray that you might encourage us for that task. We pray that you might help us to see that it is your agenda and it is right to put all our efforts behind that task. So we ask for your help. In Jesus' name, amen. Excellent.